0: Sunday Brunch with Your Girls is about two things, mimosas and the conversation. Join me every Sunday on the Crowned Opulence podcast for both. I will share my favorite mimosa recipe for the week and, of course, girl talk. We'll talk about those topics that may be embarrassing and that we just keep to ourselves and those that we don't talk about enough with each other as women of color. Every woman deserves to live her most opulent life. For us women of color, that often comes with its own set of challenges and setbacks, which way more than we should, we deal with alone. If only we would take our cape off and be just a little vulnerable, we would find that our views, thoughts, and experiences aren't as different as we think. We could feel more supported and less alone. and. We could help fix another sister's crown in the process little by little we get a step closer to being crowned with our most opulent lives subscribe to the show to make sure you don't miss an episode hey lady and welcome to the crowned opulence podcast i'm your host cassandra conley Did part one of this conversation leave you totally inspired or what? On this episode, we're picking right up where we left off with my guests, Monica Dillard and Dawn Kemp, as we continue the conversation on their personal journey with cancer and how this diagnosis is helping them live their most opulent lives. Both of you sat for a second and really celebrated yourself and what you've overcome, the fact that you found this out while you were at work in the middle of your day, you know, Dawn, you were in the middle of about to do one of the biggest presentations of your career. Not only did you do the presentation, it was successful. And on the same day that you got probably one of the worst news of your life.
1: It's funny you say that. Um, I do Bible study every Wednesday, um, except for this Wednesday with my sister and three others that I'm very close to at church. And um, we had this conversation last week around this, like how I celebrate, or lack thereof. I just had my six-month scan. I get scanned every six months. PET scans. I still get them every six months just to check on the progress of cancer. Um, so started treatment June of 2015. By January 2016, there was no evidence of cancer in my body, and it's been like that since January of 2016. Um, so. Every six months around scan time, I'm like anxious, a little, you know. I'm like, oh, is this gonna be the time that they're gonna tell me it popped back and I have to get off this treatment and start something different? Um, I've never had to do infused chemo, so I don't know what that is. When you're sitting getting it, you know, into your veins, I take oral medicine, so I'm like, is that what's next? Um, So all of that rushes through my brain, and then you know, I get the results, and they're like, nope, you're good, and I'm like exhale and then I'm like back to doing what I'm doing and I'm like I I really in all of this time have not like celebrated like woohoo like I I don't know what that's about. I'm digging into that because part of me is like I don't want to get my hopes up too high because I know the scientific reality of it. So I'm battling with I have a science background. I know the scientific and the physiology behind how cancer works but I'm also very spiritual and believe in God. And I have my mom and dad are like, Oh, you beat this. Like, you're good. Don't worry about it. God got you. You don't have this. So I'm battling with, you know, my scientific knowledge versus my spiritual, my rooted knowledge that, you know, yes, cancer's gone. So that, that, that battle. So I, to answer your question, I am cognizant of the fact that I beat the statistical prognosis of three to five years. I have beat the time of progression on this current medication. It had came out. The, the medicine I'm on now um, was in phase three It when I started. It is now FDA approved. I am my oncologist's longest patient on it without progression at Johns Hopkins. So they're like all, always kind of looking at me like, okay, what are you doing? How do you feel? Like always, there's doctors always coming and talk to me about it because I am their longest patient. So. Yes, I am very cognizant of it, but I'd never like celebrate. Like I never like do something like outwardly about it. I'm not posting on Facebook. Like, yes, I, because I am friends with, and I guess this is the guilt thing for me. Like I'm friends with, I've lost people to cancer and recently lost people to cancer and their mothers may be on. Like, and I feel some type of way about, projecting what's you know my story and and my good news and I'm like dang but they lost there like what you know what makes me different so I'm digging into to my personal like I'm digging into that because I'm not I'm thanking him don't get me wrong but I'm not like overly like woohoo you know about it so I gotta dig into that a little bit more and
2: figure out what's what's that about I, I agree with Mo. I think that's such an interesting question. I I never thought about it until you just asked the question, um, which answers the question. No, uh, I have not celebrated. Um, cancer is one of those things where once you're diagnosed, you really truly are always looking over your shoulder. Like, are you are you coming back now? Or when, when are you coming mm-hmm. back? Um, so I'm still in a phase of getting scans every three months and. I have had indications that um, there's something on my lungs. And so they're monitoring that. Now it's very small. Um, and once you have cancer, every little thing is something to look at. You know, it could be a piece of lint. They're like, oh, okay. It was a piece of lint, mm-hmm. but we're going to scan it again next time you come in just to make sure it was just a piece of lint. Uh, and so the idea of celebrating just hasn't come to my mind. And I don't, I don't know if it's, you know, we talked about this um, this thing in women, this need to always be strong. Mm-hmm. You know, it, we're, we're so strong, almost to the detriment of our mental health. Mm-hmm. And so the idea of celebrating it never ever occurred to me, M- much like Monica, yes, I am very spiritual, and yes, I have thanked him for bringing me through. I mean whew. I have, and and every day, you know, I I realize what a gift it is to be here. But the thought of actually celebrating this thing that I got through, no, because I guess there's a part of you that feels like you're not finished, you're not through it. Mm. Wow. That's um. That's deep. Um, and I think that
0: you hit on something, Don, um, and, and both of you kind of alluded to it that. As Black women, we almost have this mindset that we have to survive. We have to keep moving. We can't stop. We can't feel. We can't process. I know you're expected to be strong. You're expected to be resilient. You have to, you know, play the game 10 times harder.
2: On those lines, Cassie, I will say the other thing that has dawned on me, I had this conversation with a good friend of mine. He also is a cancer survivor. And we talked about, we're both single now, and we talked about how difficult it is to date because I'm never going to be the same. I've been mm-hmm. through this process. I'm never going to be uh-huh. the same. I've, I've had to, you know, what's it, what is that saying? You never know how strong you are until you have nothing to be, nothing left but to be strong. Mm-hmm. I've, been, I've done that and I did it while I was single. And so now I look at a potential mate like, listen, it. I I've done it on my own. What you bring it to the table? What can you bring to the table? Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I thought it was so interesting that he articulated that, you know, because he is in the same spot. It's it's kind of like you become afraid to allow yourself to be vulnerable to the possibility of letting somebody else in because you know what you can accomplish by yourself. But what happens if you let somebody in and, and you just become another, another job, another task. Mm-hmm. So it is, It is yeah. to your
1: point, it's detrimental to your mental health. And Don, it's great that you hit on that. I too am single and I am not the same, like never will be the same in many aspects Um, because my cancer is, you know, driven by hormones. I'm hormone receptive. I had to be forced into menopause. Well, you know what that means and what menopausal symptoms come from that um, and weight gain, like I gained 25 to 27 pounds from my pre-cancer weight. So I had to really like deal with the fact that like, I don't look the way I used to, like, I don't feel how I used to. And is somebody going to want to date me Mm -hmm. knowing that I am not the same? Like I'm, I'm not the normal or the old, you know, normal person that I, I used to be, or someone who does not have cancer. So for a while, I let that, like, that was my mentality. Like, oh, they're not going to deal with all that I bring to the table because I'm I'm bringing a lot. Like, I don't know if somebody can handle that. So Mm -hmm. I was already foreshadowing and putting that off on whomever it was. Like, they're not going to be able to handle it. And even then, like, I didn't know when the appropriate time was to... Say something like people. I, I was getting advice like, "Don't say anything right away." Okay, got it. Don't say anything right away. But then the question would come up like, "Oh, you know, do you want kids?" And I'm like, "I hate that question." I'm like, "Yeah, I want kids, but well, why don't you have them now?" And I'm like, "Okay, <laughs> do I really answer that question honestly?" Because then I was going to open Pandora's box. Mm-hmm. So learning how to navigate dating again in my late thirties, I'm like, I never expected to have to to do this. So dating has been very interesting to say the least, but my, my mentality has had to change because I have met people where it's been like, okay, you have cancer, mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh really? Like, okay. All right. But it's not like a, you know, deal breaker. Cause in my mind, I'm like, oh, that's a deal breaker. Like, um, I'm, I'm a broken woman. I can't, you know, this is It's not going to work. So my whole mentality has has had to change um, about self and not project what I think someone else is going to perceive me as, as gospel. So Mm -hmm. it took me, it, it literally, this is still a work in progress, but
0: yeah, it's taken a while. I can't imagine what you go through mentally and everybody has their own journey, but from the outside looking in. Both of you are beautiful, smart, amazing women, and any guy would be lucky to have you. Oh, thanks, Cassie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, thank you. I appreciate <laughs> it. You are welcome. Uh, and something else, I just wanted to go back to really quickly, Monica. When you were talking about how, like, sometimes you feel like posting on social media or just talking about your story and your success, it sounds like what I hear. And I, I think I'm getting the name right, but I may be wrong. Uh, what a lot of people, especially like in the military, deal with, I think it's called survivor's remorse, Mm -hmm. where it's like they're thankful that they survived whatever in combat, but they have guilt for those that didn't survive and kind of like, you know, why did I get to live? I think you hit it hit the the nail on the head. Yeah. That's what it is. In the midst of this, like you got this news, like dropped in your lap, you were at work, you found out that your it took your fertility. Both of you were still planning to have kids or, you know, wanted to at least have that hope. How have you maintained your sanity in the midst of all of this? Oh, I had to go to therapy.
1: You know, I, I still see my therapist because, I mean, my ups and downs, it, like this, it doesn't go away. Like I deal with it a lot better than the the dark hole of depression I was in for probably the first five months of my diagnosis but I do have moments where like, I'm good, like I'm good. And then I don't know what triggers. And then I just go into, you know, that space, that, that kind of turbulent space, you know, I still grieve the loss of motherhood. Um, so I had issues around baby showers for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, seeing new babies, holding new babies, like major issues. Um, And I'm like, I'm 41, like I'm old now, like I ain't gonna have, but then baby fever still, you know, Mm -hmm. it's real. I still, you know, want like all my friends have kids or on second kids, third kids. And I'm like, and then there's other people, my, you know, my kids at school are like, um, and this is real talk. I, my school building's always cold. So I wear pants all the time and I'm single. No kids. I I had (laughs) my scene was like, "Are you gay?" (laughs) And I'm like, "What? What Like, first and foremost, I'm saying, like, do I even entertain this conversation with seventeen and eighteen year olds? Do I have this conversation with them? Lord, and I'm like, that's my business. Like, I'm not like, but I don't want them to say, "Oh, she she bled the fifth, so she must be gay." So I'm like, um, Mm -hmm. no, and that's as far as this is going because I don't need you all thinking, like, not that I should care, but, like, no, I don't want the streets to be saying, like, oh, she gay. But I asked, I'm like, what made you say that? And the kids are like, well, you dress in pants all the time when you're in here. And you don't have any pictures of kids in your office. And there's no man. You, like, you don't have a picture of of a man in here. So we just figured, you know, we just figured you was gay, so we thought we would ask. Okay, no, y'all can get out now. Um, (laughs) But that's, like, the running question like all the time with my students you don't have any kids you ain't married like why don't you have any kids when you gonna have kids and I'm like I'm so tired of the question and being even at the stage four level in cancer adoption agencies will not let you adopt because you know your prognosis is bad so these kids have already been abandoned they don't want them to be abandoned again. So they do not tend to let um, domestic adoptions happen with um, stage four cancer patients. The higher you go up in the stages, the less likely that they're gonna let you adopt. So, yeah. I did not know that. Yep. Um, People are like, you can adopt. I'm like, yeah, no. Wow. It's like, you can foster. Mm. Yeah, I could. Not sure I want to do that. Or you right. can go to the hospital and hold the babies.
0: They need people to hold wow. them.
1: Yeah, no, I don't want to do that either.
0: People really need to stay out of other people's uteruses. If it's not yours, stay out of it. Yeah. <laughs> like, at some point, if you don't open the door for a question, you know, don't go and initiate Just stay out of people's uteruses. <laughs> Because you never know. You never know why a person doesn't. And to your point, you don't know what that brings up for you. They're just asking the question, probably not meaning any harm by it, but it's like, you don't know what it does to that person on the other end, why they don't have kids.
2: And so to avoid that, just stay out of other people's uteruses. I had to think about that, like, a good little while. What what have I done for self-care? And then I I realized my attitude uh, about life has changed. Mm -hmm. So you know how people always say tomorrow's not guaranteed? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well... it it, it takes on a whole new meaning for me now. Mm. Um, This is not the only incident in my life that has forced me to really appreciate life. Right. And so now, you know, and this might sound kind of crazy, but I'll go to a party and, you know, you ever go to a party and you be like, man, I should go, but I've only been here 20 minutes. I guess that would mm-hmm. be rude. Yeah, that don't come into my mind anymore. It's like, <laughs> oh, I'm not having fun. I'm just the vibe. <laughs> the energy here is not what I want. Let me go do something else. And, I, and I'll just leave. Um, I used to be afraid to try mm. new things, but not anymore. I'll just walk into like whatever I see. And I'm like, oh, I want to try that. Can I try that right now? Um, mm. and that is that my mentality has truly, truly truly changed It's if I don't like it, if it doesn't bring me joy, I don't do it now. Mm. Don't get me wrong, I have responsibilities, and so i I still you know take care of all my responsibilities, but in terms of my social life, honestly and truly, if it does not bring me joy uh if I don't get some kind of happiness from it or some kind of education out of it, mm. I'm not staying there too long. Because uh, for me now, I think the reality of I have seen more sunrises in my lifetime than I have left to see mm. takes on a whole new meaning for me. And so what do, what, what do I want to do with the rest, the this, this second half of my life? What do I want to do with it? How do I want to enjoy it, experience it, and really, truly live it? And so that I think that's for me. I think that's what I've done. I I enjoy myself. I was talking to um, a girlfriend and I asked her, I said, what are you going to do for your birthday? And she said, well, it's on a Wednesday. I was like, eh? <laughs> so you can't celebrate because mm-hmm. it's a Wednesday? Like that, right. that mentality is definitely gone. Like it's no reason not to turn up on a Monday right? for me. Like if it's <laughs> an opportunity, salsa dancing lessons on a Monday. Oh, okay. Yeah, let's do that. So, yeah. What have you done that has been like the
0: coolest thing that you thought that you would never have done that you've done?
2: Um, I would probably say um I I, I wanna say that my my circle of people is um uh, very diverse. I, I have like lots of little mini circles of people. And so just this my willingness to agree to events. To travel at a a moment's notice is it's just different. I I have a a good friend in Florida, and he called me. He was like, "Yeah, you know, I'm a Kappa, and I'm new to this chapter, and I need to sell my tickets." And and while he's talking, I'm on my phone. I was like, "What's the date? The event?" (laughs) And I just while we were on the phone, I booked the ticket. I was like, "All right, I'll be there. I got a room at the host hotel, and I got my airline ticket. I'll be there. I got a I already got a black gown. I'll be there." So I I think that for me, it's like, you just give me dates. And if I don't have anything at work that's going to prevent me from going, I'm going. So does that mean I can finally get you to Houston? Yes. Yep. Sounds (laughs) like it. Yes. You ain't said nothing but a word. (laughs) Because I've been trying for like five years. You have, you have, you have. You ain't said nothing but a word. Yeah, I will. We gotta wait for outside to open back up. <laughs> I, I ain't gonna lie, I'm no scared of the airports. Like traveling through yeah. airport is is because that's the other thing, you know. This diagnosis in COVID nineteen means something different for us. Mm-hmm. Outside is not safe for us. Yep. And so how do you find ways to celebrate, do things, and and still spend time with your your family and friends and be safe at the same time? Mm -hmm. Right. So I'll,
1: I'll start with where Dawn just ended. Like that's a major concern for me right now. You know, my students are virtual and in the state of Maryland, of course, our, you know, positivity rate is low and the governor, our Republican governor is is trying to, you know, get us back into schools. And I, my mind is like, um, let me call HR. Let me call my doctor because I don't feel comfortable with this. Mm -hmm. Um, there's no vaccination. I'm not running to get a vaccination. I I, I didn't read too many books. I'm familiar with Tuskegee experiment. Like you're not going to poke me first. Mm -hmm. Not going to do it. And I think that's where, where African-Americans as a whole for the most part are like, no, we're not going to be the Guinea pigs. We'll wait and see. I get on the other side, you know, they, they need a good pool of people of all types of people, but there's so much trauma with black people. Like, it's going to be a hard sell trying to get a pool of black people to take this vaccine. So I, there's a level of anxiety for me of if all staff are told they got to come back on October 19th, I need to find out what my options are because I don't Mm -hmm. know what the cleaning plan is at work. Um, We don't have any plexiglass or anything up if, if we're inviting people back in. Like it's just, it's not to me safe. So that's where I that's what I'm dealing with right now um have I done anything cool since I've been diagnosed um I swum with dolphins I don't know that you know I would have done that I might have done that but um I intentionally now um except for this year I make it a a a goal to leave the country at least once once a year I have to go somewhere so this is the only year because of COVID I, I did not. I was supposed to be in St. Lucia over um, Labor Day break. Um, mm. So that trip is now Labor Day next year. Um, but I I'll leave the country and it's during the middle school year. And I don't care because I <laughs> used to be uh, like workaholic. Like, oh, I can't go on this trip because it's during school. Like my vacation time is during the summer. I'm a 12 month employee that gets vacation time. So technically they can't dictate to me when I take my vacation. Yes, teachers are off, kids are out of school, take your vacation in summer. summer. That's typically what they expect you to do, but you can't reprimand me for taking a vacation in December if I want to. So now I'm in the mentality of, I got vacation days and I earned them and I'm gonna take them and I don't care what you have to say about it because they're my days. So that's, that's more the mentality I'm at. I I say no a lot more. And I I just, I I live to do things that make me happy, whatever that is. Um, And like Dawn mentioned, like I used to be, oh, I'm not doing this a work night. I'm not, nope, don't care. We going to a wine bar somewhere. Perfect. Let's go. Um, Because we, none of us know when our last day on this earth is granted. We have diseases that may, speed up the process. I can get hit by a car tomorrow and it has nothing to do with cancer. Just don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't want to leave this earth feeling like I haven't lived or fulfilled my purpose. So that that's where I'm at. Um, and it took me probably a good four and a half years to get to this point, but it's about me now. It's all about me. I'm selfish about myself and I, I don't care what anybody thinks about it. You don't like it. See ya kick rocks. Go ahead. Um, but I'm going to do what I want to do. And
0: your opinion is just your opinion. That's awesome. Um, So many women don't have that. Um, So kudos to you um, both for really putting you guys, yourselves first and living each moment to the most. Because like you said, the reality is none of us know the day or the hour or the minute in which our time is going to be up. What is something that looking back
2: that you wish you knew then that you now know? I wish that I felt empowered to take charge. I, I wish that I felt empowered to say no sooner, to go for a second opinion, um, to not feel obligated to listen to this doctor because they had letters behind their name. I do too. I have multiple degrees. Um so I I, I really wish I felt more empowered. Uh and I, I hope that there's some woman or even some man who listens to this podcast and understands that it's your life and you are in charge and it's okay. You don't owe anybody anything. So for you to go get a second opinion, that's, that's, that's okay. That is absolutely right. And you probably should do that anyway. Yeah.
1: Um, I wish that I don't know. Well, she may have, but I wish I would have called my mom to go to that very first doctor's appointment on Martin Luther King Monday Mm. um, when I went in and he told me it was just nothing. Um, I I don't know what my mom would have said. I don't know if she would have questioned it. Um, I don't know. But I wish I would have had somebody go in with me because, again, I felt comfortable with this man. Mm -hmm. He performed surgery on me um i didn't think he was going to steer me wrong um and i had i, I didn't know anyone in, in my immediate age range with like i knew no one like i had no one to refer to to even bounce this off of um so i i wish i would have had someone to direct me through this i wish i would have gotten a second opinion i wish my mom would have been there and i guess for me fast forward five years from now to this point, I I don't want anybody to, to be where I was. And I, that really is my purpose. I I do. um, I am on call for John Hopkins. Sometimes they'll call me and they're like, Monica, we got a newly diagnosed under 40. You know, if you're available, can you come in and talk to her? You know, she, she'll be in for treatment. And I'm like, "Sure, because I had no one when I went in. it was all a whole bunch of older people. I didn't see anybody that looked like me, I didn't see uh-huh. any people of color. I didn't know about blogs. I didn't know about anything like I had to discover it myself because there was nobody in my immediate age group, no one that looked like me to be there for me and i and I think as I move forward i I don't want my my young black sisters because it teenagers are getting diagnosed with this." Mm-hmm. early 20s like it yes the standard is you know 44 mammogram earlier if you have a family history but I, I don't want anybody else to go through what I went mm-hmm. through if they don't have to so that's why you know I'm always like to the on onco- my oncology department if I can get away I will get away I will come up here and I will talk to someone I will sit with them during treatment because
0: no I, I had I had nobody to talk to you hit on something. Most people have someone in their family that has been impacted by cancer, but oftentimes it's an older person. Is that some, mm-hmm. you know you think it's an older person's disease? It you is. know your grandparents, your parents. But both of you, Monica, you were in your thirties. Dawn, you were in your forties. Like. You don't have to be, you know, what we call old to, you know, to be impacted by this and help, you know, you can still be very young in your life. And so it behooves all of us to be aware of how we can be impacted by cancer and not, you know, just kind of put it off as, oh, it's something I, you know,
2: maybe have to be worried about when I get older or up in age. That's not always the truth. Yeah. Oh, it's it's definitely not the case. I, I think, um, hearing about uh, Chadwick Bozeman mm-hmm. really, uh, we kind of talked about this. It, it threw me. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that survivor's remorse hit me. Like, what makes me different from him? Um, why did I survive? And, you know, or when you see a child, for me, particularly when I see a child who succumbs to cancer, I'm like, why did I make it? Mm-hmm. And they didn't. Like, what? what is the difference? But at the same time, it, it, there is a part of me that is empowered to say, well, this must be for a reason. God has a plan for me, and it is my responsibility to try to figure out what that plan is and live my life the way he wants me to, uh, to fulfill whatever God's purpose is in my life. It is my responsibility to try to make sure that I do that while I'm here. And so I can't spend too much time asking why, why this, why that. Mm -hmm. you have to spend time doing more than asking questions sometimes so this experience I will say for me has has changed my life um and actually if I'm honest Cassie I just want to go back to a question you asked Mm -hmm. what's the the um the craziest thing that you've done this podcast for me (laughs) it's because I I had to be vulnerable I had Uh you know and I trust you immensely, you know, I, I really Thank do. You. I trust you with so many things. Um, but I, I I had to allow myself to be open and honest about what I've been through. Um, and I, I will announce when you know when this podcast is, is 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 out, I will announce it on my social media that it's out. And I did decide to make this decision. And for me, that is frightening to just open up. You know, because I, I am one of those black people who truly wears the mask, mm-hmm. truly, truly wears the mask. Um, and so being honest about what I've been through and that I'm still going through it. Right. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Um,
0: piggybacking off of what you just said, and you also talked about this a little bit earlier, Dawn, how when you got the diagnosis, you're like, I'm keeping it as a secret. I'm not telling anybody, but my brothers and my mom. Um, for those people that. Are the family, the friends, the circle of someone that is battling cancer, what is something that you can share in terms of the support that you would
2: have wanted, what that support would have looked like to you? I'd say one of the greatest things that my brothers did for me was listen to me. They didn't try to talk me into anything. You know what I mean? So like, I I remember being adamant that I'm just going to let this disease run its course. I'm ready. I'm 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 ready to go. You know, meet my loved ones who have gone before me. Oh, wow. uh, and I remember my brother Jerome has the best poker face in the world. He looked me straight in my eyes, and he was like, "If that's how you feel about it, I'm gonna support you, sis." My other brother Reggie, I think it rendered him speechless, but I knew he was listening to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, But they allowed me to process all my feelings. I think they were quite aware that you go through these different stages uh, when you find out that you're facing something like this. And they realized that I was at that initial stage of denial, really. I can't believe this is happening. And so I'm just going to say I'm not going to do anything. And so listening, uh, that's one of the greatest things that you could do. They don't need you to offer up a whole lot of advice. Just listen, let them get it out. Like there are moments when you just want to have diarrhea in the mouth and then there are moments when you just want to be comfortable in silence. It's not many people I can do that with that just really be comfortable in silence with. Mm. Um, for me in the beginning,
1: um, I think there was a little bit of denial. I, I wanted to be as normal as possible. I didn't want to accept help. People were like, I'll bring you dinner, I'll do and I'm like, No, I'm I, I'm fully functional. I don't need I, I got this. Even from my own family, I'm like, don't treat me any different. Like I I'm I'm good. So I, I shut a lot of people out who really genuinely wanted to help because for me it, it made me feel like I was incapacitated in a sense, like I couldn't do for myself. And so I I didn't. I mean, I'm the same person who never really took time off of work to deal with any of this. Like maybe two days. I didn't, I didn't, you know, stay home and wallow. Like the superwoman complex, Dawn had to do a Mm -hmm. presentation. I took a day off to go see a breast surgeon. I was back that next, I was back that Monday. So then in my circle of girlfriends who were still, you know, thirties, still living life, going out, doing X, Y, and Z, I'm like, I don't have the stamina to keep up because I'm taking this medication that makes me fatigue. And then I'm feeling like I got to constantly explain to them why, like, nah, you guys go ahead, you do X, Y, like, um, and it wasn't, I really had to sit them down and say, look like this, this is what it is. Like, I need you to listen to me. But on the flip side, they're like, well, you don't tell us, you don't say much of anything. You act as if, you know, all is well with the world. And that's, I will close it up, whatever I'm going through, I'm going to just deal with it because I'm a, I'm the one that got have to live with it. I don't want to be a burden to anybody else. So I'm going to just deal with it. And sometimes that's a volcano waiting to erupt and then it erupts in, in in the worst way. So I, I will agree with Dawn, the the listening piece, but I had to learn even up until this summer to really be vocal about what's going on, especially to the people that I consider in my close circle because they can't read my mind I appear as if everything is perfectly fine but inside my body there I feel like sometimes I'm like an 80 year old with how the med- mm. how the medicine has affected my body and my joints and it's just it's crazy but no one's gonna know that unless I say it but in the same token I'm like I'm trying to live like as normal as possible I'm I, I still got it I can still go like I, I don't I don't want to think or want people to think that I can't do. And mm-hmm. I gotta work on that on that too. Um and then, you know, I have my family who was like, oh, you beat cancer. You you're fine. You're all right. You know, God's got it. God's healed you. And I'm like, oh you're right. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> um because I feel like I don't I don't wanna negate, you know, what they believe. My parents are seventy five and seventy two. I'm not trying to argue with my mama who is a holy roller at the church and who, you know, God's done it. Um, yes. He, yes, he has mom. You're absolutely right. God has done it. Um, he, he has completely healed me. And I don't, again, that's the battle between, you know, you know, mm-hmm. my beliefs and the, the scientific background of the, you know, the disease, but just the listening piece. And even my family doesn't listen well, like my mom and dad, they don't listen well. Like they they go through one ear and out the other you know, God's got this. God's already healed you. You're fine. Like get over it, like move on. And I'm like, it's not what I need right now. So I don't talk to them. I don't talk Mm -hmm. to them. Um, I found that the best conversations have been with survivors of just, it doesn't even have to be breast cancer, just people who understand what comes with being diagnosed with cancer, you know, Talking to Dawn, doing this right now, which I've never done a podcast before um that is that's fulfilling for for me because I feel like I'm talking to someone that actually gets it and understands.
2: So uh, just to piggyback on that, you know, I I can be very random at times. And I had a very <laughs> random moment in January. We were out to dinner. You remember this, Mo? We were all out uh-huh. to dinner. We were there in D.C. celebrating uh, Zeta Centennial, or Founders Day, rather, uh-huh. uh, in 2020. And we were just sitting there eating. And I don't know what possessed me to just look over at you and be like, Is your body different now? Because my body is different. Like, my purse is not the same. You know, and I went really, I'm not going to do it here, but I went real TMI on her, just random. And what I appreciated about her is her facial expression didn't change. It didn't shock her at all. She was just like, yeah, I know what you're talking about, sis. And I I was like, whew, I'm so glad I got that off my chest because there was no one else at the table who could relate To what I was going through, at that moment, I want to say I had just made the decision to start taking antidepressants because I couldn't take it anymore. I was angry. I was Mm -hmm. just, I was upset. I could hardly get out the bed. Um, It's the one thing people don't talk about is that chemo and radiation can lead to depression. It did for me. And I was trying to fight it for so long. That's another issue in the African-American community. We don't want to really seek mental help. Mm -hmm. we don't take care of our mental health so but I had just made that decision and so I was in the process of trying the right dose and the right medicine to be okay and I just I really wasn't okay but in that moment Mo I never said this to you but oh my goodness thank you so much for just being open to to listening to me and not mm-hmm. judging and not asking, you know, I, I said what I wanted to say. I used to say no more than what I wanted to say. And you allowed me that freedom um, to just do that. That is powerful. Of course, sister, of course.
1: <laughs> and, and I'll I'll even be, you know, a, a little even more candid because um, we grown. Um, so, like, my girlfriend's, you know, range. I'm the baby out of the group. Um, so at the time well I'll even say now um 41 to about 47 and they're still in the prime of like their sex lives and I'm sitting here like I'm living vicariously through you because this don't function the same (laughs) at all it don't function like that I'm like that's great I hear you um because it takes a lot to get the party started now and I'm like Mm -hmm. do I Even really feel like going through all of this hassle, like seriously, like that's that's the part. Menopause is no joke, and it it can go one way or the other way with people. Some people, it you know, it does not affect them in any way, like their drive, everything is just great. And then for others, libido slows down. It wop. What the heck is that? Like (laughs) wop. So I'm sitting here just like listening to their stories, like, "Hmm, that's nice. That's great. That's that's exciting." So, just even sometimes not even being able to fit into a conversation when it gets, you know, when they're talking about, you know, because they're everyone's single or or divorced or separated, and they're living their best life in their forties, you know. And I'm sitting here like that is awesome because honestly, menopause ain't no joke. It, it it ain't for the faint of heart by no means and never in a million years did I think I was going to be going through it at thirty five, thirty six.
2: 36 you know I think what's interesting is um women only talk about the physical aspects of menopause but there's this strong mental aspect that affects the physical as well that medical it's like a, we- a mental weight on your shoulders sometimes mm. dealing with it and how how like it can you can have days when you're just perfectly fine and everything's good, and then all of a sudden you hit a brick wall and you're like, Who put that wall there? like what happened? I was having a good day mm. and it just it just stops uh like that, so there's so many aspects of of this disease that have changed things i mean and don't get us wrong, we are still grateful to be here yeah amen we, we in our acknowledgement that things are not the same. You know, it, it is just that. It is an acknowledgement. Things are different, but they're different in a way that I don't think either one of us really could have prepared ourselves for.
0: Mm-hmm. Nope. And that's why conversations like this are so important. Everybody goes through something. When you hear somebody else's story, you're able to get more information. You're able to feel like you're not alone, like, you know, how you were saying, well, You were the only one that was going through this. You didn't have anybody that was your age that was going through it. And through talking about it more, you're able to make those connections and learn from each other. What is one tip that you would share with other women to get them one step closer to living their most opulent life?
2: Hmm.
1: Wonderful question.
2: You know, um... I think the one thing, and it's it's probably taken me a long time to get here, but is to trust that inner voice. You know, Mm. nobody else may understand or nobody else may not support what you feel in your gut that you need to do or say or be, but it's okay. Just trust it. That's living your best life really, truly means following what... Um, your heart and your mind tells you to do and being okay. If no one wants to follow you, it's it's okay mm-hmm. to drive your own path. I piggyback awesome. off of Dawn. I was going to say live, um,
1: definitely live your best life. You, you know, every second, every hour, every day is not promised. You have to live it for you. Um, and you have to do what makes you happy and not worry about how others are going to feel about the decisions that you make for you, because ultimately you came in this world by yourself. You're going to go in that casket or that urn by yourself. So, you know, live for you and, and do whatever it is, you know, that,
0: that brings you joy. I really appreciate you guys sharing your story, your experiences. Um, and like you were saying, Dawn, it's not just, you know, the disease itself, but there's so much more that goes into it that comes along with it that's often not talked about. So I just really appreciate you guys sharing your stories, being candid, um, and having real conversations around this and your experience.
2: Thank you for I just having, having me. me. Yeah, Absolutely. thank you for having me. Cassie, thank you for just having a platform that women can kind of be candid and talk about issues that are important to us. Um, you just, you have no idea this, this for me was ther- therapeutic and I, I don't hope I already know it's going to bless somebody's life. Absolutely. Absolutely. And thank you, Dawn, um, for your, just out of,
1: out of the blue text. Hey, <laughs> my sore my 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 chapter sore has this podcast and this is you know what I what I'm thinking we should talk about and I'm like let's go let's do it so thank you Dawn for that random out the blue text and embracing us um this I agree this has definitely been therapeutic again I love talking with talking about the topic, um, and especially talking, you know, with someone who is, while it's not the same type of cancer, but it's, it's someone who, who, who understands and who gets it. And that in itself is therapeutic because that's not my whole circle.
0: It's totally up to you guys. If you want to share how people can get in touch with you. Um, I I definitely don't
1: have a problem again. I, I never want anyone to feel like, um, to be in my position of having no one, even if it's just I don't know what questions to ask when I go to the doctor, or you know, I don't have anyone to talk to that looks like me or is the same age as me because when I go to support groups, they're all old and on oxygen. That's I'm <laughs> not being, don't mind me, but that was my experience. No one looked like me, they were all old. I was still working and everybody was on oxygen tanks, and I'm like, this is this too much. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, definitely, I you know, I can be emailed at. M D I L L A R D 1920 at comcast.net.
2: And, and I agree with Mo. I, I, I too um, and am happy to talk to anyone, um, even if you are just supporting someone who's dealing with cancer and you just don't know what to say to them. And I can be reached uh, on email at D, as in Dawn, Kemp, my last name, K E M P 1920 at gmail.com. Well, thank
0: you, ladies. Um, I'm so honored that you shared your stories on my show. This means more to me than you know. Um, So thank you. Thank you. Was that just eye-opening or what? I am still in awe that Dawn and Monica's stories are so similar. As much as I am in awe, I am also upset at how they were dismissed. It is a must that we advocate for ourselves And listen to that little voice that is our intuition that really does try to protect us and guide us. If only we would allow it to do its job. If you aren't comfortable with what you're being told anytime you go to the doctor, listen to that feeling. Get that second opinion. Take care of yourself. That doctor will be all right. After all, you can't live your most opulent life if you aren't alive. So I will leave you with this. What is one thing that you are doing to ensure you are fulfilling your God-given purpose? Thank you so much for joining this week's conversation on the Crowned Opulence podcast. I hope you heard something that inspired you, made you laugh, or simply helped you to feel like you weren't alone in this thing called adulting. If you like the show, leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It would mean so much to me and it helps the show. To continue this conversation, connect with us on the Crowned Opulence IG and Facebook pages. If you would like to have your favorite mimosa featured as part of the Mimosa of the Week, submit your recipe on crownedopulencepodcast.com. and while you're there, Tell me what you would like to talk about on upcoming episodes. Ladies, do something this week to polish another queen's crown. You aren't everyone's glass of champagne and everyone isn't yours. Only those select few are privileged to enjoy you. See you next week.